0: Across the UK, Overnights, with Martin Kellner. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico Ah, wunderbar, wunderbar. Um, I'm talking about Danny Kelly's trail, actually, <laughs> uh, which is which is truly excellent. Um, just before we talk to uh, John Bonfilio in uh, Mexico, in Campeche, Mexico, I'm just wondering how they did that interview with Owen Farrell. I'm thinking what they did was say, look, Owen... Stay there, I'm just gonna put the microphone in the next room. And if you could shout, we'll see if we, see if we pick anything up. I thought
1: up. it was under a toilet cubicle or something. Mm. Could have been <laughs> that, could have yeah. been
0: that. Trap was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, righty-ho, let's talk to, uh, John Bonfilio now, find out what's going on in, uh, in Latin America. John joins us from Campeche in Mexico. Uh, John, thanks, uh, ever so much for joining us.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: hello hello <laughs> it did a little bit. Uh now for for those of you who don't know the background to this story, uh Pablo Escobar the notorious uh, drug trafficker, drug baron if you like, um brought loads he he set up a menagerie with uh, hippopotamuses, loads of hippos, now known as the cocaine hippos. Um and you have a bit of an update. We haven't spoken about f- for for quite a while John, but you have a a wee bit of an update.
1: Yeah, but this is maybe, you know, one of our longest running stories on your, uh, show, Martin. For sure it seems as though, or we know now, not just with, uh, with Escobar, there's, with a, with a series of other cartel capos, kingpins, bosses, made men, that they all seemingly have a thing for exoticism, opulence, mm. which often manifests itself strangely in wild animals. Most of them kind of go for tigers and lions. But uh, yeah, Escobar went for hippos, and he decided to start importing them to his hacienda Napoles in um, in Medellin in in Colombia. And then, of course, what happens with these things is, you know, people's histories and fame—they rise, they fall. But if you've got some hippos, when you fall from grace, then those hippos tend to be a little bit hard to to catch and negotiate. And the demise of Escobar led to many of these hippos escaping. And obviously, predictably, reproducing in the nearby Madalena River, generating something of a problem. And over the, the, the last generation, the authorities have tried to deal with it in a particular, in a wide variety of ways. Initially, they decided we were going to just leave them alone, but then scientists got involved and said that it was going to, of course, generate environmental damage. Then they decided to, well, you know, why don't we kill them? But, but by that point, the hippos were actually really loved by the local population. Uh, so that was generally regarded as being unpalatable. Most recently, there was a decision made to chemically castrate them with contraceptive darts, uh, which was the last time we spoke about this uh, a few months ago on your show. But it seems that, that has summarily failed. So now the authorities have decided to basically deport the, the hippos to, or in inverted commas, as they've described, to, to translocate the hippos to new countries, which is particularly amusing because in this uh, rotating list of possible solutions, again, in big inverted commas, one of the, the first one of moving them away elsewhere was discounted because they were too difficult to move, but they seem to have gone mm. right back to square one and decided they're going to ship them off, catch them, ship them off initially to India and Mexico
0: they're very big i mean i'm just looking at these (laughs) pictures of hippos i mean (laughs) you know you would think that's you know when you think these days on most flights you're restricted to sort of 10 kilograms (laughs) these these are massive creatures um yeah i I, I mean i didn't realize they reproduce so rapidly but you know looking at all these reports it seems they they, uh they really do you know they like to yeah they're um, definitely
1: definitely sexy creatures Uh, They are sexual creatures. What is, and also it's interesting because when you, when you, when you, you know, we talk about, uh, as sometimes happens, you know, the biggest rodent and stuff like that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's that's a particular topic of conversation. When you talk about the biggest hippos, it's a whole different kettle of fish. And one of the reasons why they, yeah, why they generate this environmental damage is because they are basically prehistoric creatures because they plough through landscapes. Um yeah and and literally plow and literally dig up you know whole ecosystems it 's not just damaging the odd plant here and there. Uh, th- another thing which has caught my eye about this story, which which is also amusing, because there's an in- inevit- in- interminable list of amusing things related to this, um, is the fact that apparently these hippos can be shipped to India, Mexico, and other parts of the world, but not to Africa, because if they were shipped back to Africa, that could bring pathogens back to that continent, which, which could mm-hmm. affect the entire ecosystem and damage those ecosystems, but apparently that's not going to affect any other ecosystems other than the African ecosystem. So, yeah, it seems that we're now going to be moving, well, let's see, I mean, Let's see whether, you know, whether they actually managed to load the first hippo to Mumbai or Mexico City. But, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe report back. Also, they, they seem to think that they can get this whole thing done in the first half of 2023, which seems a little ambitious.
0: Seems very ambitious. I mean, I'm just looking at pictures of hippos as we're talking. And I, it just seems implausible, the whole thing. But no doubt you'll report back and let us know, you know
1: if it worked. I will Um, do my best. I'm a a professional.
0: Well, of course you are. Um, It's good to have one one here. Um, Now, tell me about uh, Rishi Sunak and Mexican cola. What is Mexican cola?
1: Well, it turns out it's different from U.S. cola. And it seems as though our dear friend Rishi went to uh, the U.S., to San Diego, to meet with the Australian uh, uh, Prime Minister and also Mm -hmm. Biden, the U.S., president not just to discuss nuclear submarines but also high up on his import chart was uh, sourcing mexico and taking that back home with him because of course he has lived in the u.s for a period of time and he has uh Mm -hmm. strong relationships there but but u.s coke fundamentally u.s coca-cola is different from mexican coca-cola mexican coca-cola is sweetened with white sugar the U.S. version is high fructose corn syrup. And it seems as though, well, advocates say that there is a taste difference and they prefer one over the other. Although blind tasting doesn't actually generate any kind of um, uh, tangible response mm. as to which one is better or even if there is any difference at all. But what we do know is that the U.S. version has a third less sugar uh, than the Mexican version. And, I, and perhaps most psychosomatically of all, in terms of importance, is the fact that the U.S. version... Is sort of a modern. Which you could imagine in the UK is a modern plastic uh, screw-top version. Where actually the Mexican version remains. I mean, not all the time, but often is still still comes in its glass form and mm-hmm. has a pop-off cap. So it's got that sort of retro, nostalgic feel as well. So part of the suggestion is that this is one of the reasons why people prefer that. But yeah, so uh, San Diego, of course, being on the border with Tijuana, meant that uh, um, uh, Mr. Sunak was able to take. Home a few suitcases full of Mexico <laughs> back to Downing Street.
0: Well, it's good because we want him to be alert. He's got uh, a failing economy to deal with, and various other problems. Um, and it's good that he's getting the high sugar content in the uh, in the Mexico, um, and will remain uh, fully alert. So that's uh, that's marvellous news about the Prime yeah. Minister. Um now um let's go into uh, Latin American folklore because we were talking um, a week or two ago weren't we about uh, what was it Alex's or alouche
1: aluches uh, the aluches
0: yes so to, to, just remind me what about the aluche
1: so this was the Mexican president andres manuel oper who uh who who tweeted an image of what he said was an aluche a sort of a, a jungle forest Sprite that generally are unseen. Oh, yeah. But it got, and then you started, it's, it's actually your fault, Martin, because then you yes. started talking about goblins, goblins and goblins, trolls yeah, and ogres and stuff. And then I got to thinking, well, actually there's a whole host of different, uh, sprites and humanoid spirits in Latin America that we should talk about. And the other one, which immediately came to mind, partly because I've had a few experiences in the last couple of weeks in your absence with this, is that is is the duende. So the aluche is sort of a mischievous spirit that exists out about normally in fields and generally causes mischief and is most famous where, where you leave a horse at night and then you go back in the morning uh, and the horse's mane is all tangled up and that's said to be a lucia's that right. uh, that tangled that up but the wenders are these these humanoid sprites that exist in a in a house and generally they're always there you just don't recognize them so they, they have some kind of form it could be that there's like a toy that you find or a coin it doesn't have to be humanoid. It's a coin that you find in the garden or, or something like that. And I got to thinking about it because there's this part of my house where I have to walk past this little sort of narrow space and there's a sort of a wooden skeleton on the wall near that narrow space. And then for the last couple of weeks, um, every time I walk through there, I find this skeleton's little arm leaning on my shoulder and i've got to thinking well is that is it am i imagining it is it too tight space but there's definitely a little wooden skeleton arm that you know rests on my shoulder every time i pass through there and then i started thinking well maybe this is the window of the house that is trying to alert me to something but they are very specific housebound um spirits that are that, that, that look after a sort of domesticated space and that would coexist uh, with you apparently also they uh, they smell like grass uh, which is uh, un- unusual unlike unlike ghosts uh, that smell like toast famously
0: <laughs> I didn't know that um of course they're not real obviously they're, i mean the people say what there's mean? people say there's mysterious mystery when you can't find the car keys they've been hidden by one of these mischievous spirits i've forgot the name that people give them in the uh, in the uk but um of course it's nonsense you've just forgotten where you put the car keys to be I honest, think
1: very cynical, I think has a deeply cynical outlook, Martin.
0: Probably is. Probably is. Uh, a bit, a little bit of sport. Uh, Pele swapped shirts with uh, lots of players uh, during his career, but tell me about this uh, shirt swap uh, with the uh, Scotsman Alex Pringle. Tell, tell me about yeah, that.
1: Amazing. I mean, have you ever heard of the of the Scots footballer Alex Pringle before? I certainly hadn't, but it's it's hit the. The news a little bit recently because uh, there's a whole series of Getty images that have been released in this surprise friendship and relationship that, uh, that Pele had with the Scotsman Alex Pringle, who in the seventies was unable to make it into the first team at Hibbs. And then he got this, this offer from this scout who said, come along and play in what was, you know, now MLS, but at the time hmm. was the North American soccer league. So he crossed, uh, crossed the water, the, the water and signed for what was then the Tampa Bay Rowdies and, and played mm-hmm. for them in the late um, in the late 70s. And at the time, I mean, it's easy to forget, of course, because the league came a cropper in the mid 80s due to the financial crash of the of the time. But it's easy to forget at the time that you, you, it was full of the world's biggest stars: your your Beckham, your, mm, your Savio yeah. your, your George Best, and of course your Pele yeah. with New York Cosmos. And also, not just the fact that those those stars were over there, but the attendances and the uh, and the fandom in in the US in the in the uh, 70s and 80s, was huge. New York Cosmos averaged 28,000 in attendance throughout the time that they they played for that 15-year period. But Pringle and Pele had this ongoing um, rivalry, I guess, between, uh, between Bay and between uh, New York, which has now been uh, shared and celebrated in this series of, of photographs, which uh, relate in particular to this shirt swap that, uh, that took place with them. But they played against each other scores of times and certainly one of those you know really forgotten stories from uh, sporting law uh, which occasionally is, is is worth remembering Pringle uh, now still lives in in Florida he never went back he apparently returns tries to return uh, to Scotland at once a year or so but he is now in his 70s and living in in Florida and just recounting occasionally these incredible stories of his of his rivalry with the world's finest footballer
0: Yeah, I mean, there were some fantastic players in uh, in what wasn't the MLS, but was uh, American soccer in those days. Uh, And you still see some of those George Best goals that he scored. uh, Just for, I mean, uh, admittedly not against the uh, greatest opposition, but absolutely phenomenal to watch. Uh, Poltergeist is the uh, UK equivalent of Duendes, I would have said. That's more or less the same sort of thing, isn't it?
1: I'll ask my duende if he's a poltergeist you, and, and I'll let you know what he, do, what do. his reaction is next Friday.
0: Well, bless you for that. We'll talk next Friday. Thanks uh, ever so much, uh, John. Do appreciate it.
1: No problem. Take care.
0: There we go. John Monfilio, top man, joining us from uh, Campeche in uh, Mexico.